Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Deal with 
All right, beautiful people, I want to thank you for joining me. I am your host, Nube Brown, here on Prison Focus Radio, and I am going to wish you a very, very Happy New Year. I hope it is starting off with positivity and uh, just full of the possibilities uh, considering last year. All right, listen, we've got to get started. Uh, We're going to hear some fantastic voices again this hour, and I don't want any more delays. Um, What you are hearing, though, is a um, an edited version or an updated version of a show that was supposed to air uh, last week. But, you know, it's all in perfect timing. All right, here we go. Uh, starting with two letters that I've read from people from the inside. A letter that was written to me uh, by Dr. Larry James Tyler. It's just very hopeful and thoughtful and forward-thinking and really uh, just flies in the face of what uh, the stigma that's usually attached to people that have been um, arrested, imprisoned, uh, jailed, and um, just who they they really are inside. And many of these people should not have been um, arrested in the first place and should not be imprisoned and are innocent. So here it is. Two issues I ask you to consider for many future articles in your paper. One, reviews from the book The Wretched of the Earth by Franz Fanon. He is the century's most compelling theorist of racism and colonialism. The writing of Malcolm X and Eldridge Cleaver, or Amira Baraki, or the Black Panther leaders, reveals how profoundly they have been moved by the thoughts of Franz Fanon. I find to be the Einstein, sorry, the Einstein of explaining racism and capitalism. He actually predicted a time like this would come on the world's scene when the masses would have an opportunity for, quote, the last shall be first, unquote. If you recall Gilligan's Island sitcom, there were people from the two different classes of people, the rich and the poor. Thurston Howell and his wife, Lovey, represented the rich autocrats. One percenters and the others, Gilligan, Ginger, Professor Marianne, and Skipper, represented the poor. Landing on the island, the coronavirus, put both parties on the same level. Thurston had no power or authority over the others because the island took that away from him. And because he was outnumbered, he had to go along with whatever the masses wanted. Corona has killed capitalism, for now. So this is the masses' golden opportunity to be first. As long as capitalism can't produce the colonizers, the Trump gang, 10,000 families that own 99% of the wealth, have no power over the masses. So our, quote, Gilligan's Island, Corona, unquote, is here now. Am I the only one that has seen this? I know you've no time to reply. I'm not looking for one. Just want you to be aware of what an opportunity this is to enact some equal distribution of wealth and opportunity for people of color. Number two. Next is a book you must read, The Tipping Point, by Malcolm Gladwell. He speaks of social epidemic in a positive effect, how a small change can make huge differences as a little bit of salt to a dish can make a tremendous difference in how appealing that dish will taste. He tells of how the chief of police in New York City made a few minor changes, took all graffiti off subway cars and the subways, arrests all turnstile jumpers and arrests ones who urinated on walls and trashed the streets. 
This in turn cut the crime rate in half in a very short period of time, 10 years. I instantly had an idea how to apply that same concept to the rate of prison incarceration. The reason the majority of minorities wind up in prison is due to ignorance of, quote, procedural due process of law, unquote. Yes, what you don't know about the law can hang you. This is why I'm still fighting to get my freedom back after illegal conviction at trial some 12 years ago. Now, suppose there was a website, free, to learn the basics of the law. This rich country has all kinds of social services for medical, food, clothing, housing, and education, but no free access to learn the law. Most criminal prosecution violating most criminal prosecutions violating your civil rights begin at initial arrest, but the average citizen is not even aware what his civil rights are. How can they be violated? Or even what an attorney is supposed to do to defend you? Here's where this small difference, the website called Learn the Law, comes in. It teaches step-by-step step what should legally happen upon arrest and from that point on. This site will blow Western law out of the water because it will have class, classes, videos, and advisors you can talk to, talk with about your legal issues. Would this site not change the entire landscape of the rate of incarceration in a very short amount of time? Yes, it would, because the racist controlled police and court system could not pull the wool over your eyes anymore. I had a textbook kangaroo court at my trial, and because I knew nothing about the trial procedures, my public defender actually conspired with the prosecutor and judge to find me guilty. The reason there is no such site as yet is because there would be a gauge now that, that the masses could use to determine if the environment is legally prosecuting you. If you know the law, the authority will not be able to abuse the law against you. It wouldn't take much to create this site. A university law department would be the ideal source to make a site like this supported by the uh, uh, deductible funds from the rich, like Magic Johnson, Oprah, and Cosby. Even Danny Glover might see the potential this will have on preventing illegal arrests and convictions. This state never had valid, quote, probable cause to arrest me in the first place. I never heard that term until a year after conviction in the state prison law library. So lynching is still going on by white supremacists through ignorance of the court and law. You're dead as far as society is concerned when you're wrongly sentenced to years behind bars for crimes you did not do, a social lynching. Someone needs to get the website into reality. I am at the final oral argument stage in the uh, South Carolina Supreme Court in my PCR appeal in November, not expecting a win. Then I can submit my writ. That may take a year or more. Retaliation is upon me now by the jail director and sheriff for a suit I had against them for punishing a detainee without due process, never given a disciplinary hearing and entrapment. I am now in a cell with my, without my legal documents and property to prevent any court action against them. Excuse me one second here. Denying a prisoner access to the courts 
is a huge problem for a prisoner because the prison mail department has control of the prisoner's mail going out or coming into him. This jail does not even have an outgoing legal mail log sheet to sign. So when my mail to the court never arrives, no document to show the court you sent it. So much injustice in this jail. They won't allow my girlfriend's mail to come in. I hope you will consider the two ideas. I have no funds to send you now, but if it's God's will that I am released, I will send you a large sum for the years of papers you have enlightened me with, knowledge I never knew. May God keep your strength and drive uh, to help your fellow man to insight and freedom. Your, devo- your devotee, Dr. Larry J. Tyler. I mean, what gratitude, what sharing, what love, um, what strength in spite of it all. We should all be so inspired. But if you would like to send this brother some love and light, it's Dr. Larry James Tyler, 2349 Rogers Road, Darlington, South Carolina, 29532. All right, I am going to read another letter from someone in the California Men's Colony State Prison here in California in San Luis Obispo. And uh, Brian Hill is his name, and I want to, I'm reading his letter because he represents kind of the other end of the genocidal aspect of um, people being imprisoned in this country uh, um, around the number of years that we are given to um, to our youth and, and how many of our youth we are caging. And this, of course, uh, like I said, goes on the other end of the spectrum in terms of the Liberate the Caged Voices, Liberate Our Caged Elders campaign, which is focusing on uh, releasing our elders. And many of these elders have been in, have been caged since their youth. So again, just wanting to point out and highlight the genocidal nature of caging our youth and caging them for such long periods that they become elders inside. Uh, This is really an egregious uh, abuse of our human rights, and it's really the continuation of um, the crimes against humanity that is modern-day slavery taking place within our prisons. All right, so I'm going to read two letters uh, from Brian Hill. Um, The first one, he is giving us um, an idea of who he is because um, he wants to be a part of the Liberate Our Caged Elders campaign. Um, He wants to be a part of the campaign to be released. So, I was just confined. I've been caged for almost 31 years, since April 21st, 1990. I was just confined in ADSEG from July 15th, 2020 to August 20th, 2020 for a non-security housing unit and a non-district attorney referable offense because I refuse to be placed into dormitory housing because it exacerbates the chances of me catching COVID-19 and I got asthma and other underlying medical issues. I was given a seven-year denial in 2017 as a youth offender 
first time in prison, no adult record, one conviction as, as a juvenile, no history of violence, etc., in which I just exhausted my state court remedies and preparing to go to the federal district court now so I can sue that bleep once it's reversed. Sentenced to 29 years to life plus life with the possibility of parole for a first-degree murder and a first-degree attempted murder in which the judge misinstructed the jury according to a kidnapping allegation that I wasn't charged with in the felony complaint of case number BA050222 supporting this first-degree murder when kidnapping wasn't an enumerated felony of California Penal Code Section 189 in 1990 before my arrest and became one when Proposition 115 was passed in June of 1990, in which I have a writ of habeas corpus pending in the Court of Appeal, 2nd Appellate District, entitled In Re. Brian T. Hill, number BA050222. So, hell yeah, I want to be a part of this campaign. Media exposure is the best weapon, bro. The Panthers have shown us that. Shown us that Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, O.J. Simpson to Tupac. Peace and love. Signed, Free Brian Hill, H six seven one four nine. All right, and here is his latest letter. Re. The false, fabricated, and misleading info about the California Department of Corrections attempts to mitigate the spread of COVID-19 in its prisons. On or about December 4th, 2020, CDCR officials elected to spread false, fabricated, and misleading statements to the public as to their alleged, quote, robust response and mitigation efforts, unquote, across the system and their implementation of, quote, testing of staff and inmates unquote, regularly to prevent the spread of this virus, despite admitting to recording 22,000 new COVID-19 cases. Various staff, including three in the housing unit of B3 of California Men's Colony East, has tested positive for this virus on November 23rd through the 24th, 2020, and myself and the remaining prisoners in this housing unit was just tested on December 11th, 2020, and is still waiting on the results. Sorry, this letter is from December 13th. Staff of this prison has tested positive for this virus in the housing unit of C6 of this prison and in other job post positions of this prison in which the rumor has it that has resulted into 130 positive cases of COVID-19 among prisoners and possible staff in which this info was has not been disclosed to prisoners or the public by California Men's Colony Administration or by CDCR headquarters officials in Sacramento in which could easily mislead family, friends, and supporters to believe that we are all healthy and safe. These same prison officials have lied to and deliberately misled the medical ex- experts of UC San Francisco known as AMEND as to the April to May 2020 outbreak of this virus in which it was alleged that administrative officials disclosed vital and highly important info info to the Men's Advisory Council of California Men's Colony to disclose to the prisoner population in which myself and countless others were not and remained uninformed about the outbreak and was allowed to continue to work, program, etc. with the staff and prisoners that was probably infected since it was discovered that 50% of the staff refused to be tested a second time for this virus. 
upon my placement in ADSEG on June 15, 2020, because I refused to allow these staff to place myself into dormitory housing because of my asthma and this type of housing exacerbates the chances of myself catching COVID-19 and dying, an outbreak occurred on August 6, 2020, of 50 positive cases of this virus that would more than double to be positive cases within 24 hours to 282 positive cases in about a week and would result in over 306 positive cases, two deaths, if not more, and multiple hospitalizations. Upon my release from ADSEG, on August 20th, 2020, to be housed in the housing unit of C6, in which is the housing unit where one of the major outbreaks occurred, to be housed around prisoners that tested positive even though I, even though I didn't, prisoners and staff that were labeled resolved, being, quote, observed, etc. I filed a habeas corpus in the San Luis Obispo County Superior Court case number 20HC-0141, in which Judge Ginger E. Garrett ordered the warden Josie Castello and the state attorney general Javier Becerra to respond within 15 days of November 3rd, 2020, producing various information regarding the precautions instituted to prevent the spread of this virus. The transfer of prisoners into the prison and preventing the spread of this virus is is decarceration warranted to prevent the spread of this virus. What's a safe occupancy level? What medical consultation has occurred on the safe occupancy of this prison in light of in re von Steich has CMC revised its expedited release program to include prisoners over age 60 and that have served 25 years of their sentence. The number of positive cases for staff, prisoners, hospitalizations, deaths at this prison, what steps have been taken to protect prisoners and myself who is physically who are physically vulnerable because of age and pre-existing conditions are there policies in place for staff and prisoners to wear masks, social distance, etc.? And if these policies being enforced, and if these policies being enforced, etc., etc., in which I can attest to nothing is being done to mitigate the spread of this virus in this prison, as the continuous outbreaks are showing. So I feel that it's more than imperative for prisoners family, friends, and the supporters of the decarceration movement be informed of this, of this, especially after I filed a conspiracy to violate civil rights complaint in the U.S. District Court Central District of California case number 220-CV-09984-M.0001 jc against state prison officials that requires a fine or 10 years in prison in which I had to dismiss because the only entity that can bring such charges is the U.S. Attorney General in which its L.A. office, its agents, etc., has failed to act. U.S. Attorney General William Barr of Washington, D.C., etc. Your cooperation is appreciated. Signed, Free Brian Hill. All right, if you are just joining us, this is Prison Focus Radio here on KPOO San Francisco 89.5, and I am your host, Nube Brown. We have just been uh, listening to two letters that I read from folks, um, from people on the inside, and we are now going to quick take a musical break and come back with a family member. Scholars and scientists 
Africa To liberate yourselves Africa Keep your hands up I have with me on the line Elsie of Sisters with Voices. Elsie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So, Elsie, I want you to go ahead and just uh, tell the people who you are. Let us know about Sisters with Voices, how you came together, and, and why. Okay, so Sisters with Voices is a prison um, advocacy group where we are fighting for justice, just sentences for our um, brothers and sisters that are currently incarcerated behind the wall. Um, we know that due to our environment, we are over-sentenced a lot of times. Um, right now, we are focusing on releasing, um, or advocating for the release of our loved ones that are like behind the walls trapped in cages right now. Um, and with the outbreak of COVID right now, that stands in all 32 um, facilities within CDCR, is is very imperative that we start and fight and stay fighting and stay fighting to release those um, that have served their time. Absolutely. Why? Why do you feel... Um, yeah, just feel free to give some commentary on why you think you're having to fight so hard to to either get your voices heard or get the needs men of your loved ones inside. I think it's the hardest because the general public, CDCR, Gavin Newsom, the state of California is throwing out their narrative of what's going on and what they're doing to facilitate the virus and stop the spread and the infection of virus. But us as loved ones that's on the ground that see what's going on from day to day, we know that that's not true. So we're fighting against so many people that's bigger than us. Right. <laughs> and so a lot of people don't want to join the fight because they're looking at it as, well, they're saying that they're doing this. And it's like, yeah, that's not even the case. You have people that tested positive way back in March and still today in December have never been retested. Oh, right. Yeah. So how how are you working to kind of get that uh, that narrative uh, changed up? Right. I think that the biggest advocation is to expose the lies. Once you expose the lies, it can only bring forth the truth of what's happening inside. Um, because, like I said, a lot of people don't know what's really going on there. So they're just taking it, what information is being said by the media, and running with it. So we're out. We're trying to educate the community. We're doing protests. Um, we started our 24-hour welcome home bag, which is, a step up to assist our brothers and sisters that do have the opportunity to be released with some essential items that they need when they return back to this community. Oh, that's fantastic. Can you talk a little bit more about that? <laughs> so we have the 24-hour welcome home bag. With the 24-hour welcome home bags, we're providing the essential needs um, for our loved ones to start to rebuild their life. We all know that upon release, individuals are given $200. $200 in today's world is 
equivalent to $2. It will not assist them with starting and rebuilding their life um, once they get home. So that's only going to lead them back into the life of crime. I can't advocate for your release if I'm not going to do something to keep you home. Oh, right. It's the, when, yeah, once you get home, right? Because the system is counting on recidivism, right? They're counting on those, bot, those people coming back in. So Right. And I mean, right now we, in, right now in the United States, we have to have a real ID to travel. So when you go to the DMV to get an ID, that's $54 for a real ID. For an individual that's coming home that don't have a birth certificate, that's anywhere from 14 to $28 for a new birth certificate. I mean, that's those security cards. We live our life off of a cell phone. That's another $50 to $100 to get and maintain cell phone services. So what what's out here to help you to be rebuild your life once you get here? You know, it's stressful to come home, and a lot of people don't have a place to go to. A lot of people don't have family that they're returning back home to the community to. But one thing that they can always assure is with their sisters and voices, they'll always have a sister. Wow. And, of course, we are talking about uh, you're providing a service based on the idea that someone is being is being able to come home, that is being released, that is getting their parole dates met, um, and we know that there are thousands of people that are just being transferred around through these prisons, continually subjected to the death sentence of COVID-19. How are you and your loved ones, uh, yeah, how are you and your loved ones faring on the inside? Because I know that Sisters with Voices is not just you. And so how are you all feeling about what your loved ones are going through? I mean, it's a it's a very hard thing to do. I mean, it's a, I think a lot of us at some point already have picked up a coping mechanism because you don't know from day to day. Like I just said, we have outbreaks in all 32 facilities within CDCR. We have one positive case in every single facility. CDCR why they're not doing transfers at this time is because of the state stay-at-home order. If that order wasn't in place, CDCR would be doing transfers right now as we speak which means you're not doing nothing but shuffling people from one institution to the next institution. Shuffling them is not going to solve the problem of the stop the spread. You can't stop the spread because the system is already overcrowded, and shuffling people from institution to institution is not going to solve that problem of overcrowding. The only way that you're going to solve that problem of overcrowding is when you start releasing. You know, it's funny that they say they, they, they keep speaking on that we're at our lowest numbers because we're, we've hit under 100,000. Let's just be realistic to the point CDCR releases 30, approximately 3,500 individuals a month that have completed their time, that have paroled out every month pre-COVID. You have done nothing extravagant right now. The only reason why we're under 100,000 with these releases that's possibly going on is because we're not doing transfers from within the county jail. Let's keep it real and let's keep it realistic. How many people are sitting in these 57 counties within the state of California waiting to be transferred into CDCR custody? Hmm. That's real. Our numbers are then going to skyrocket. Once again, it's going to skyrocket again, and we're going to be above 100,000. Right. You have court systems, yeah, the court systems, there's been no transfers, but people are still being sentenced daily. Exactly. And really, we sh- like you said, there shouldn't be these transfers, and they can't, and then they're trying to shuffle people around within the same prisons, and they really should just be 
releasing. Are y'all calling for uh, releases, not transfers? We're we're calling for releases, not transfers. We just did a whole event on the 17th. We did an event out in front of CDCR headquarters. Um, And that is our motto. Releases, not transfers. You cannot, you can't continue to transfer people. Right, right. San Quentin, San Quentin still stands with the highest number of deaths. Why does San Quentin have the highest number of deaths? San Quentin has the highest number of deaths because you thought that it was wise to move infected individuals from one facility to another facility. You're moving individuals. Okay, so when the Von Statch um, decision came down, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place, but when the Von Statch decision came down, right, Valley State prison had 22 cases right mm-hmm. they start removing people from san quinn the ylp program they started removing them from san quinn they start moving them to valley state valley state instantly jumped up their numbers right why there's no quarantine done you're not you're not doing quarantine how are you doing quarantine right you're because not- you're sending them outside to go sleep on the field are you are you out of your mind that is the water and you got people sleeping outside on a field in tents. Yeah, yeah. This is how they treat prisoners, right? That's how they. That's that's so. So right now, because of they have to reduce the population, San Quentin has tents set up outside on their lower yard. The people to to try to make sales, one man sales. They've removed certain individuals from out of these cells. Most of them signed up because they feel that it's better to go sleep outside on, in a tent because they have fresh open air. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're, to get them down to one-man cells, they're moving people that are double cells. They're taking one of the individuals out of that cell and putting them outside in the tent. San Quentin directly sits on water. Right. That is water. We are – it is freezing. It's winter, exactly. <laughs> No, I hear you. I mean, but then that, but then that takes you back to in August when the outbreak was at Folsom, and we're in the middle of a heat wave, and, and you right. have them sleeping outside. Right, right. So yeah. you're telling me that a strike force is building these tents and moving my loved one outside? How do you expect them to get better? Right. Send them home. I'm, I'm more than sure the, 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 the. the, the Care that you're providing to my loved one right now, I'm sure that I can provide better care. Like, you're not, let me, let me babysit. I can babysit. <laughs> I'm a good babysitter. <laughs> right. We I mean, because at this point, that's all that you're doing. And then they keep sending out these uh, Mirandas. Oh, well, the inmates don't wear the mask. There will be disciplinary action. But there's going to be, we're 10 months into the pandemic. We're 10 months in, and as of December 21st, there has just now been consequences for guards. Are you serious? Right. Right. My husband is incarcerated. My husband's been incarcerated for the last 23 years. My husband tested positive for COVID-19 June 29th. He has been on the custody and care and grounds of CDCR for 23 years. And you mean to tell me he caught COVID-19 and you're going to tell me it's his fault? How did he catch it? How did he bring it to get it for himself? One of your staff members brought it into the facility because your protocols are so lax. Right. Elsie, I want to ask you, um, I'm going to assume that your husband, your loved one, has recovered from, from COVID. Correct. Okay. How is he doing? Because we're understanding that... 
there are ramifications. You don't just recover. You there's some there 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 mitigating health problems when you catch COVID and recover from it. It's not like you just catch a cold and then you're done. Or how is he yeah, doing? Do, would you like? Can you share how he's doing? Well, when you're in a facility and you're in the care of individuals that can care less, you know, everything that I'm telling you is wrong with me, you're going to always attribute it to that's just my imagination. Uh. Um, And that's kind of what he's going through at this point. He's been telling them for months now that when he walks up and down the stairs that he's winded. Mm. Okay. Um, which means that's a shortness, that's shortness of breath still. So they tell him, oh, that's nothing, you know, it's nothing. He went to the doctor just for his little checkup, and they told him that they heard wheezing in his lungs, which is a sign of asthma. Absolutely. He's never had asthma before in his life. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry to hear that. And so of course, yeah, like, they're, they're just... Sorry. Where's the care? Where's the care? There is no care in that. I mean, like I said, he tested positive in June. He barely got a test last month, and the only reason why he got a test is because he had a dentist appointment. And the dentist wouldn't see him without a negative test. Hmm. Jeez. Well, so I, guess. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know if you guys are, are, are looking at it, have heard about it, about the long callers. You have people that is still testing positive a hundred days later, they're still testing positive for COVID-19. Right. Right. So they don't necessarily have symptoms, but they're carriers. Correct. Because you're never, because after the 14 days, you consider my case resolved. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and how is it resolved? Because in order for me to go back onto my job, I have to produce my job a negative test. I can't go back to my job because I've cleared 14 days of quarantine. Right. Again, we can circle back around as of why you are out there fighting for your loved ones and being their voice. I'm right. so but sorry. While we're holding, but while we're holding, let's just say one more thing. While we're holding everyone else responsible, just so that all your viewers, listeners, followers know, um, not only is Kathleen Allison responsible for this, Kelso is also responsible. Kelso works for the Federal Receiver's Office, and the Federal Receiver's Office is the ones that is in charge of our loved ones' health care. Y'all need to hound um, our legislators, our elected officials. And they also can make change in this. When we start messing with people's jobs, see one thing that a lot of people don't understand: being a resident and a and being a resident and a taxpayer in the state of California just makes you a stakeholder in CDCR. Absolutely, we pay for this system. <laughs> oh, yeah, I <laughs> say it all the time. See, say that, say that. <laughs> We we are working hard to kill our loved ones at this point. Right. We're working hard. We're barely keeping food on our table, but yet we're paying anywhere from $85,000 to $300,000 per year per inmate. That's ridiculous. But yet our kids can't go to school and get a proper education, which spelling system can't make them end up where they are today. All right. Well, that's some real talk with uh, Elsie from Sisters with the Voices. And I did catch up with her uh, to get an update about the Kilo G campaign that is being uh, that is on going on right now. And also 
to uh, let y'all know that uh, Sisters with Voices will be joining up with No Justice Under Capitalism to do um, a protest rally at the governor's house January 9th. The details are still being worked out, but look for that. You can go to the No Justice Under Capitalism's uh, Facebook page, I believe, and get the details there. Here we go with the update. I want you to, last week we talked about uh, Sisters with Voices, and you had mentioned that uh, you are going to be starting a campaign, launching a campaign for Kilo G. So I would love for you to tell us about the, the campaign and why you started it. Okay, so the campaign is the Free Theology Movement um, that was started by himself and um, Cage Universal, um, and I'm just about to help him get it off the ground. Uh, I do believe in second chances. I don't believe that someone at the age of 21 is mature enough to make a decision that should affect him for the rest of his life. Um, T.O.G. has been incarcerated currently for the last 26 years um, for a crime that essentially there's no evidence um, stating that he is the trigger man of this crime. Um, T.O.G. is an author. I mean, um, he served his time. He's ready to come out and um, to be a voice and to help those young individuals who he see in himself to do better and want better. I mean, he has dreams of starting um, a technology school so that he can bring the technology world into the African-American and brown communities because, as we all know, technology is the thing of today. Um, so he's trying to, and that, that, that's something that he's real passionate about is being able to come home and be able to help the youth. Okay. Wow. That's okay. And I'm, and I'm understanding if I heard you right, you said that he's, he went in at 21 years old and he's been caged for 26 years. Yes. So he's been incarcerated at 21. He's been caged longer than he walked the earth. That's exactly where I was going. Like, okay, let me just make sure I heard that because, wow, I'm sorry. And I'm just going to say that's genocidal. Okay, I'm not going to get on the soapbox. So his his actual crime was a death penalty crime. So I guess we will be grateful that he didn't receive the death penalty instead, like without. But at 21 years old, I mean, we've all made a mistake. Like I said last week, at 21, I mean, a lot of us don't even want to go back and think about what we were doing at 21. And we all know that it was an immature mind that was making the decisions to do the things that we did at 21 years old. So how do we cage somebody at 21 years old and say, hey, I'm going to sentence you to die here in the next 80 years? the next 60 years, you're just saying 60 years, which means I'm never redeemable for the crimes that I committed, but we're all redeemable. Here is uh, Akilo G, who's clearly, you know, he's taken upon himself to redeem himself because we know that at, that people are redeemable, especially when you give them the opportunity to be redeemable and, and we allow them that space. And clearly he's been in connection and uh, with, with um, not only doing, obviously, the work inside with the people out here, and like you said, he was an author. And I understand that you might have something that um, Kilo G has written. So we can find out a little bit more about him. Okay, so I do have um, a piece that was written by Kilo G. 
um, named Keylon Jenkins. It's a time, if you are listening to this, you are conscious of the need for humanity and in a time and age where it is not only desired but needed for the too long voices of the people of color to go unheard or deemed not credible. With the age of technology comes evidence that law enforcement as a whole is that law enforcement as a whole is an institution infested with systematic racism backed by unbreakable code of silence. The smartphones being as common as they are, videos around America have given validity to the cries of a people. My name is Keelan Jenkins. I'm a 47-year-old man of color who has been incarcerated for 26 years. I have been incarcerated since the age of 21 in some of California's most infamous prisons. I was wrongfully convicted of being the actual killer of a brief on the car company guard. I want to make very clear that Jeffrey Spencer Jr. and his family did not deserve to lose his life in a vivacious way. There is nothing more precious than human life, and no one deserves such a fate. But in the eyes of justice, I seek the acknowledgement that I did not kill Jeffrey, though I was convicted of being his murderer. I was convicted of first-degree murder, felony attempted robbery with special circumstances, which means I was eligible for, for the death penalty or life without the possibility of parole. I was given life without the possibility of parole. I was not afforded a fair trial. I've, in fact, been through two trials. The first conviction being overturned due to jury coercion. In my second trial, a PI for the defense and did an investigation of her own and discovered that I am physically not tall enough to have killed Mr. Spencer in this case. Something my attorneys, law enforcement, Alameda County DA's office, and all bureaucracies involved knew. In 2018, Senate Bill 1437 declared that anyone convicted under the felony murder rule was not and was not the actual killer must be released if they did not aid, abet, counsel, or direct in the killing of a human. Ultimately, uh, ultimately, a person was deserving of an evidentiary hearing to determine if they were eligible for release under SD 1437. There are case factors involved that tend to prove that if I was not convicted of being the actual killer, I would be free like my co-defendant. Is. Instead, I sit here in Pelican Bay Maximum Security Prison begging for social attention to my case. I plead your voice and solidarity in the Free Kilo G movement and demanding that I am given a new and fair trial to declare my lawful release. Though I am in prison, I have made it my focal point to re rehabilitate myself. I have been socially active and been an author of a children's book series called Tito. Tito is a vivacious, all-black people puppy. Tito is authored as a parallel to most kids of color in America. As we know, pit bulls are discriminated against. They have been deemed violent, aggressive, and unfit. Sounds familiar? All dogs are capable of these traits, but pit bulls are systematically discriminated against. I am using Tito to bring enlightenment to children of color who deal with certain social issues such as parental incarceration, violence, bullying, inflicted biases, discrimination, and many other issues that kids of color may be dealing with. I am dedicated to break the chains of implicit subjugation 
through marginalization and disenfranchisement. I wish to change and deprive culture that needs to see that their social norms are a need of reculturalization through re-education and self-value and human value. I am a man on a mission. Please find reasons to help us in our fight for justice. Help us free Kilo G. Please Google Keylon Jenkins to learn more. Wow. Well, I definitely want to be a part of that. When are you going to launch this? Um, when are you going to launch this campaign? So it's already launched, and we're trying to get um, O'Malley, which is the DA of Alameda County, to go ahead and take a second look at this case um, so that we can reopen it and get Keylon a fair trial. And we'll be starting um, a phone launch to where we'll be reaching out to her um, by phone and email and just asking her to take a second look to, so that he can have one um, shot at proving that he's actually innocent. Fantastic. And so we can find, um, where can we find the campaign so that we, uh, so that we can be supportive? You can follow us on Sisters with Voices. Okay. And then we also have um, TikTok, which is going to be LC Lee 781. So that's E-L-S-I-E-L-E-E 781. 781. Okay. And Excellent. then we have our sister, we have our sisters with voices Facebook page, which is S-I-S-T-A-S-V-O-I-C-E-S. This is with. Elsie, I want to give you the last word. If there's anything else that you would like the people to know, even if you've said it before, please, um, the floor is yours. Call your legislators, call the governor, call CDCR, speak to Kathleen Allison, call the federal receiver's office, speak to Mike Kelso, who is in charge of the care of our loved ones. And one more time, I'm going to say it, free Kilo G. Fantastic. All right, Elsie, thank you so much. This is Elsie with Sisters with Voices. Have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you too, Elsie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, here's Imolimo from Corcoran. Okay, you there? Yes, I am. Okay, beautiful. Okay, Imolimo, let's, let's go over this again um, around uh, what happened with... Uh, the uh, video call being canceled because I was, of course, expecting to be able to uh, video call with you today at 10.30. So tell me what happened. Well, like I said, apparently what they're doing is they only want to give us um, a 30-minute video call once a month. And we were under the impression that just that person you visit can only do it every 30 days. You can still visit other family members, but they're not, they're not honoring that. And there's nothing in writing, okay? It's just word of mouth. And then once, it's, once, it, once it happens that way, they'll start the process. And if it's not working the way that we like it, of course, we'll complain about it. And then they'll put out a memorandum through uh, the, the Mac reps and stuff. What, what's so poorly done around here is that everything with them is a test run. They want to test run everything to see if it's going to work. And, of course, when they do that, they're coming back with complaints because they don't do things effectively. Okay, and so right now that's what we're dealing with. You know, people want to see their families. So if you do get a video call and you have other family members at that house, 
they're going to ask the family member who's approved to visit you to show their ID, then they're going to connect you onto that visit. So that person who's approved, they can walk around the house and let you see and speak briefly to other people, which is a good thing, but only being able to do that every 30 days, it, it's kind of hard. You know, it's, it's hard, especially with it's times like these, with this pandemic, and, you know, according to the newest programs, we're hearing all this spike in cases, even though there's a vaccine. You know, people in here are worried about our loved ones out there just as much as you all are worried about us. So that, that, that's what's going on right now. We're, we're going to have another fight with this until we can get it right. That's all. Well, let me ask you this. Um, one of the things that popped out that you said is that nothing is in writing. And I, I feel like there's so much more to that that you just said in terms of how CDC R, small R, operates because they seem to be able to just run willy-nilly, um, run things as they want, whether it's, um, whether it's protocol or not, whether there are policies in place. They just seem to be able to make these decisions on their own without any kind of accountability. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, 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 most definitely. They will always do that because what they've done is the guard union has most of y'all to say so. The guard union can be regular guards, lieutenants, captains, uh, IGI, ISU, SSU, some wardens. You know, so their union is pretty strong. And because of it, they get away with doing a lot of things. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. For one thing, corporate is one of them that I'll tell you in a minute. We don't operate like every other CDC prison. We do our own thing. And nine times out of ten, when you file 602s against Corcoran, you're going to win before you even make it to the third level because of that that, pro that problem. Once you get to Sacramento, it's like it, it's as if they get noticed and the people in Sacramento say, hey, what's wrong with Corcoran? Why aren't you guys following these protocols this and other? And they'll come up with whatever excuse they come with. But you win a lot of your 602 challenging Corcoran because, just like you said, they do things without any accountability. And they've been playing that game, uh, I want to say, since the beginning. I mean, they played it the whole time I was in the shoe here, and that was for 13 straight years, you know. So no matter what warden they have, what captain they have, however they change the guards around, they still play that same game as if you walk into their their, their interrogation rooms where they got the rules and regulations and they say, do what you want, how you want, damn the next person's feelings, uh, act as inhumane as possible, you know. And they do just that, you know. So... Yeah, we don't have this in writing just yet. Um, it hasn't it hasn't surfaced, but I'm sure after about the next couple of weeks, the more complaints they get, then yeah, they'll have something in writing stating how it's going to be. It's set in stone, why it's that way, and things of that nature. Right, but that's a fight, obviously, you all have to take when it's really supposed to be a policy that's put in place. Because visitation is supposed to be a part of the CDC's small r rehabilitation program right, 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 right. and and they use the uh, it, it seems to me that they're also using the excuse of covid to uh to deny the visiting they've closed everything down and yet then when it comes to making sure that y'all are safe in there then yeah covid doesn't really yeah. matter right they don't really exactly. okay so and then w with this complaint with with now suffering the the pain of not being able to visit with your people. Hold, hold, hold on one sec. Hey, sis, they're, they're cutting us off right now. They just brought in a sergeant and a lieutenant. I think complaints are going to start being uh, uh, adhered to right now. I see a few of the MAGRIPs talking and a few other inmates 
and they're they're getting us off off the phones right now. I think program has stopped. All right, beautiful people, that is our show. Uh, please get ready for work week with Steve Seltzer, and we will see you next week in love and unity. Ubuntu.